podcast, Greater Than Yourself, Season 3. Do you have an idea for an episode or question for John and Fred? Email us at podcastgreaterthanyourself at gmail.com or contact us on Instagram at podcast underscore greater underscore than underscore yourself or doctor underscore silkworth. Okay, welcome back to Podcast Greater Than Yourself. My name's John Barleycorn. And I am Fred. And uh, this week we're joined again by our dear friend, Flo. Welcome, Flo. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Yo, thank you for joining us. We're here today to discuss a topic which probably, at least you and me, probably Fred as well, um, thought was a great topic, but also when we were <laughs> preparing, we're like, well, what do I... What do I bring to the table on this? Uh, the topic being, no, a group of drunks will not keep a real alcoholic sober. Um, I kind of, you were talking before we hit record, I I kind of had the same, um, the same thing. I was like, for the month and a half since we talked about doing this, I was like, oh yeah, that's going to be banging, dude. And then like all this week, the five times I've thought about it, I was like, I don't, I don't have a reading. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't know what to, <laughs> I'm not sure what to, but, cause it's one of those things where it's like simultaneously way too many things I could point at in the book that are like, yeah, that's not the solution on offer here. But then also, uh, so many of them feel, I think like so on the nose that it's like, I feel, I would feel weird being like, okay. And here's the one reading that's about that, that came to right. mind, you know? So it's like, yeah. Uh, I figured I would just put you on the spot, just toss it over to you, and make you <laughs> make you sew this all together, all nice for us. <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. I feel like my heart is beating fast, which means I had way too much coffee. For those listening, this is like nine a.m. in the morning. So, um, <laughs> if this goes way off track, let's blame the coffee. Okay. Right. <laughs> Wouldn't the right um, brand? Yes, exactly. Um, So, you know, and just to play devil's advocate for a moment, like I kind of get where people are coming from with the group of drunks thing. It's like these little acronyms for God or whatever. They mean well. Mm -hmm. I get it. Um, I've heard another one, which is great outdoors, which I, I think I actually would prefer over the group of drunks because it's not human power. Right. Hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, what I was thinking about as I was also thinking about this and like, what are we going to talk about here? Um, and if, if permanent recovery is my goal, right. Which if it's not, then, you know, I'm not talking to you at the moment. Right. <laughs> um, but if permanent recovery is the goal, then the book tells me I need a power that is greater than me that will solve my problem. Mm-hmm. And that no human power can relieve my alcoholism, right? So I need something that is not human power. Um, I need a power that will do things for me that I can't do for myself, that will remove this obsession to control and enjoy my drinking, right? And this group of drunks, while they mean well and they can help me find that solution, they cannot be the solution to mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I feel like going down that path is is a 
And again, like in early sobriety, I get it. They're trying to like ease people into the God thing. Sure. Um, but it, it, it can lead to relying on those people, right, as mm-hmm. human power to help them. And also, people, I hate to say, say it like this, but people can't live up to my expectations, right? I learned in the fourth and fifth step that I have some pretty lofty expectations of people based on their role in my life and their relationship to me. Sure. And they can't live up to that, nor should they, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if I'm relying on these human people in this meeting to keep me sober, I'm always going to uh, be disappointed. And I know in the past, in early sobriety, I put some of those people on this pedestal, right? They have this much time, Mm -hmm. you know, they drive the fancy car, they have the nice house, you know, while I'm like, you know, driving a beat up car that's like barely running and in the shop every other week, you know, and I only have that by the skin of my teeth, right? And so I'm putting these people on these expectations, these high lofty goals. And, and then, you know, I hear them speak in a meeting and it all sounds good. And then outside, I'm like, well, I'm a little confused because <laughs> some of the things they they do and the way they show up doesn't really align. And I just feel that um, that will lead me to this place of, well, if I'm looking for them to save me and they're not perfect, then I'm, I'm screwed. Right. Yeah. I think the... <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I thought I I think like any time that I w- I would address this with anyone, especially on you know a podcast, I would have to qualify it by saying first like if this little parlor trick will keep you sober for a week while you get into the w- the work, cool, dude. I'm not talking to you. I'm not saying don't use that. You know, that's not the point of this. The opposite of, 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 I think our intention, I'm sure I can speak for Fred on this would be to be shitting on something that's working for someone to like get them into the program. But the contention that, uh, is presented at meetings is not that at all. The, Mm -mm. the way that this is presented at meetings is like, I am going to read something. Let me just read this. Okay. This. So if we're talking about, you know, like just AA meetings and like the most, most common type of AA meeting, right? You're going to hear this at the beginning. It's going to go. Our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic and, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. B, that probably no human power could relieve our alcoholism. C, that God could and would if he were sought. But just use the group as your higher power, you know. That's fine. <laughs> that, that'll, that'll, that'll do. Just use the group. Hate God? Just use the group. You know, and, and like, the way that it's presented is not I I don't think that I have, uh, I mean, I would say nine times out of 10, what I'm not hearing is them saying like, until you take the actions and you get the results, go ahead and talk, you know, use the group. Think about the group, you know, usually the way it's presented is, um, okay, you're powerless over alcohol. Just come here and we'll all support each other. And then we'll just like slog it out and we'll stay sober, you know? And what you said was so perfect because like uh, 
that's a an abstinence model versus a recovery model. You know, the program in the book is about recovering from a hopeless state of mind and body. It's not about abstaining from alcohol by holding hands and staying in the middle of the boat. And that's how this group of drunk things is presented almost 100% of the time when I hear it. And it's not like uh, a booster seat or training wheels. It's like, that's the thing. You know, like, you come here no, and now you're just here in this room for your life. And, and yeah, it's we'll Marge. keep you sober. <laughs> it's Marge with 13 years saying, yeah. I showed up at this room. You know, I, I got connected to these folks and I haven't left. Right. Yeah. And and just, oh, and, and let me just end my share. I want to plug that Saturday night we have the the potluck starts at five. We're going to have a speaker at eight, you know, then we're going to go to Denny's at 10. And then Sunday we're going to do an alcathon all day. Right. And that's how I stay sober is I literally do nothing but sit in this room and avoid temptation at all costs. Right. Yeah. And this is the solution to my problem today, right? Is uh, I love how you started there, John, because um, John B. <laughs> uh, because um, anonymity. Thank you. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Um, so I love how you started there because. Uh, and first of all, don't ever speak for me. <laughs> <laughs> I do it often. <laughs> um, no, you're the only person in the world I'll allow that you can speak for me all the time. Um, so, you know, like, uh, I have no opinion on people who want to smoke pot and go to meetings. Right. You know, uh, I have no opinion on, on people who want to take Suboxone and go to meetings. You know what I mean? Uh, I have no opinion on people who want to just shoot, shoot, uh, to a meeting six times a day and milkshakes after and date within the rooms and literally make AA your entire life. No opinion. In fact, what I just described is me at different times of my attempting to get sober and guess what? Every fucking time it failed. No, every single time, you know, the obsession that, you know, for a period of time, cause that's the thing over and over and again in the book, it talks about like, you know, Bill talks about how he would have periods of sobriety, which mm -hmm. renewed his wife's hope. Right. Yeah. Um, it talks about how um, some, we think people can stay sober for around a hundred days, you know, but, but after that, it's like kind of the wheels come off and we're just not really sure what's going to happen. It talks about that one dude, carpet slippers stayed sober for fucking 40 years, yeah. you know? Um, but he wasn't recovered. It just certainly didn't seem like his life was super happy, mm -hmm. you know, certainly didn't seem like he was filled with the uh, love and joy of, of having a power in your life. That's, you know, providing you with sanity, right. you know? Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I don't have any opinion on that, but if you're, if you're dying an alcoholic death, uh, you know, and, and the thing that I always come back to is, is that if somehow it was the meeting that was creating this, then how did the first people ever get started? Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just it, the two, th it can't logically, those two things can't, can't exist together. Right? right. So like, it can't be group of drunks because they talked about finding one dude in a town, handing him a book and then being like, well, check in with you three months from now when I swing through with my trunk full of soap, or I got just <laughs> assuming he was a soap salesman. <laughs> just a soap fetishist. I just assume he's a soap. He's a door-to-door -door soap salesman, you know. And he's it's also a got a. He's got a. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, he's dropping a book and then he comes back three months later. And whether that dude had number one, dude probably hasn't started a meeting. He's just been dragging drunks off of bar stools, trying to get him sober or going into hospitals, offering the solution and seeing if he can get in front of the worst person they have there. Right. right. Um, and even if nobody else has gotten sober in that three months, that guy stayed sober and that's Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, it's this idea like of meeting based sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've seen so many people with this, this meeting based sobriety and I, I kind of put them in two categories, right? There's the people that they seem like it's working for them. You know, everything's cool. Their life's getting better. Right. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, those people must fall under the heavy drinker category because you right. took alcohol away from them. They found the fellowship. They enjoyed having, you know, the barbecues and the milkshakes after the meetings or whatever, right? And so they were able to stay sober on just the the fellowship, right? right? Um, whereas these people that they might have five days, five years, whatever, and they have meeting-based sobriety, and they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth, they're restless, irritable, discontented, they are living in the bedevilments, their life is a shit show. Mm -hmm. Those people are the real alcoholic who has not found the person who is armed with the facts about themselves yet to help them, or maybe they have and they've avoided it, right? Mm -hmm. Or they just haven't found that person to um, give them the solution that's in the book to help them find the power that's going to save them, right? Because the book tells us where we're to find the power, what we're to do to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, they, they leave the door wide open, right? Because if we think about when we're at step two and, and we're looking through the book at talking about this power and, you know, um, there's a lot of great information in We Agnostics and it tells us that, it's actually impossible to define or comprehend this power that we call God, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's on like page 46. Right. So they're not asking us to define it, right? I don't need to sit down and write a paper on who is God mm-hmm. or define it as great outdoors or group of drunks or, you know, uh, whatever, right? That, that's not what I'm actually here to do. Uh, what I'm here to do is set aside my preconceived notions of what I think that this God is that makes me so scared to like look for it <laughs> right. and be open to a new idea of the, the the group of drunks in the book and the steps showing me what it really is. And, and through that process of just saying, okay, I'm open-minded, I'm willing to believe that there's something and I'll seek it. I, I have no preconceived notions of what that is. And then I make that third step decision to go forward with the action that's going to unblock me from that power, which the book surprise tells me is within me. So it can't be outside of me. Another reason why the group of drunks is not going to work. Anything outside of me is not going to work because the book tells me where and how am I to find this power? And then it tells me where <laughs> several places in the book. I think it's on page 45. that tells us that that power is within us. It also mentions that in the spiritual experience appendix, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have to find this power that is within me. And once I have that experience with that power, I start getting those intuitive thoughts and I start to follow them and my actions and the way I show up in the world changes and then my whole life changes, right? Then I have this experience and I can say, oh, well, you know, by about, you know, step 10, the promises start to give me promises that look like a recovered alcoholic. 
workaholic, right? And so by that time, I can probably sit there and say, well, you know, this is what God is to me, Mm -hmm. right? Can I fully define or comprehend it? Probably still not, right? But I can tell you what it's doing in my life. And that's where I build that conception. That's where I come to understand, right? Because I'm not going to understand it step two, and I'm not meant to. I'm meant to do the work and then understand and then have this God right. as I understand him yeah. or her or it or whatever you want to call it. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like some asshole figured out that they found a cute little um, acronym for God. And then it's like, everyone was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like group of drunks and some, some douchebag in a meeting said it one time. And then everyone was like, Oh, well, because the acronym is also equal to God, that must mean it's God. Like, obviously <laughs> like, can't have an acronym also mean, you know, it's like, oh, if you can find three words that can make God, then it's God. Like, you know, it's like, we just, um, this, to me, it comes back to the idea of like, um, we're either the Alcoholics Anonymous is either a fellowship that is uh, designed to help real alcoholics get sober. Um, and that's the goal, or it's a fellowship that's designed to grow its membership. And that's the goal. And so if the goal is to grow the membership, then yeah, we got to soften it down mm-hmm. and we got to say a group of drunks can get you sober. And if that's what you, and if you fucking hate God, we hate God too, you know? And like, uh, John's been on that trip lately and I love it. You know, I've been quoting him at meetings and uh you know it's like yeah it's like this isn't about hating god like we we i don't want to soften this for anyone you know because i really think that by softening it we're actually ruining our opportunity to be helpful to them later yes because then when they actually need us they don't think we have the thing they need Mm -hmm. yeah you know um and so i had two spots in the book that i was gonna is it cool if i do that Yeah. yeah Okay, so only the first, thing before I, you do that, I I haven't. Yeah, please go ahead. I haven't. Uh, I haven't been seeing any royalty checks from you quoting me. So if we could, <laughs> I must have your address wrong. Do you have my Venmo still? <laughs> I only mail checks from okay. now. From okay, yeah. yeah, sorry, I've moved I back moved. into paper checks. You, kn- you know that I moved. You're not still in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. That's why I keep driving by your house before the meeting. And I'm like, well, I guess he's not coming tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, page 29. And the funny thing is I was also looking for a spot in the book, but I do this so often with sponsees where like, I'll read the line. And then I do that like stupid thing where I replace what it actually says (laughs) with like, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. But like, um, you know, to me, this... So it was like, there were so many things I could have picked, you know, but, um, you know, it says in 29, it says, uh, each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own point of view, uh, the way he established his relationship with God, you know? And I, I just, I don't think that they're suggesting that it's the relationship you're building with the people in a, in a room in a church basement, you know, does I it, think it's is exactly, it, is it the acronym God on that page or is it just the word? God? It is. It, it strangely does say G period, capital <laughs> O period, capital D period. So I don't, but they could also be speaking of, uh, what I've heard good orderly direction, which yeah. was described to me as, you know, you've never walked down the street and then accidentally stepped into an anti-gravity hole and like popped off the earth, you know, like, um, all the, everything that dials in the earth to be just to have life on it, you know, that's good orderly direction, believe in that. And it's like, 
Why do we have to make it so fucking? That seems complicated. I, you just what am I a physicist? So bad. I was like, am I supposed to be understanding this? I'm just gonna stay quiet. What is this? What's this quantum physics? Like, I was like, I think I fell asleep while he was describing that. Wow, flow, rude. Flo, okay, God. coming Shots in hot. Fired. This is the last invitation you're getting to the podcast. Oh man, damn it. Damn. Um. Okay, and then the the other spot I was going to read is on 164. Um, and so it says, uh, still, you may say, and they're speaking of the person who was reading the book for the first time again at, the, at this time, they didn't, what, they didn't know that meetings were going to pop up in, you know, 8,000 meetings in a city or whatever. But it says, but I will not have the benefit of contact with you who write this book. We cannot be sure. God will determine that. So you must remember that your real reliance is always upon him. He will show you how to create the fellowship you crave. You know, yeah. how can the group of drunks show you the fellowship that it's created? You know what I mean? It's like, it's that, then it's like a certain, I don't even understand how that would work. You know, it's like my reliance is upon God. God directs me to the meetings I go to, to carry the message of hope that this book actually has in it, this incredible thing that I can solve my problem. And then the things that I know we're all experiencing, this like just amazing life that gets granted. But like, even if you're listening to this and you're like literally dying of alcoholism right now, and all you want is to be able to wake up tomorrow and not crave alcohol. Like we have that solution for you, right? you know? Um, and, uh, and it has nothing to do with people in a church basement. Yeah. The thing is that we're, you're talking about two different things, right? <clears throat> you're talking about like, it's like if we were to sit down and have a conversation about what Tim Duncan could do with the basketball versus what my eight month old son can do with the tambourine. There's, it's two totally fucking different things, you know? Right. What you're talking about in that last reading is tapping into an infinite source of wisdom and power with a direct relationship with that power and that power will guide you versus going to a church basement with a bunch of humans who unless they got a fucking miracle in their back pocket which they don't they're they're just dudes right are just going to give you advice from mm -hmm. their own right you know maybe cool maybe totally fucked up life experience right and so really what it comes down to is like there's I what one thing that that I do when I go to detoxes or whatever, when I'm with a bunch of people who have like a glazed over look in their face, <clears throat> when they realize that I'm not gonna be like, Hey everybody, let me love you until you're so you know, like, you know, <laughs> they realize I'm not one of those people. Um, I like to just explain, like, look, I'm not I'm not like a big book super fan. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not here to proselytize and I'm not here because I worship some book, right? There's a reason I talk about this book. And, um, the reason is summed up in the pages before the doctor's opinion, where it, it lays out that this is a textbook and it tells mm -hmm. precisely how to recover from alcoholism. And that when it was used as such, uh, there was about 75% of hopeless alcoholics were recovering for, right. for permanent recovery for life. So yeah. that's why I talk about the book. 
I don't talk about the book just because I'm like, oh, great writing and re- really neat. I identify. You know, like that's not why I'm talking about the book. I'm talking about the book because I followed it like an instruction manual and it worked for me. And yeah. the reason I followed it is because I got sucked in with my step one experience with relating with the hopeless malady that they paint a picture of. And so Flo said it when she started, like, if you're not that person, I'm dude, I worship a group of ducks. I don't give a shit. Like I I don't care. But but maybe maybe we could draw your attention if you are that person um to the fact that that will not work for everyone, you know? And I think that that's really the big importance here because there are plenty of people in AA who can stay sober on not only a group of drunks but on their own power. And when that person comes to AA, they're welcome. But when they turn around and try to tell someone like me that I should just do what they did to stay sober, they're going to kill me. They're going to kill people like me. And really, like, if you don't understand that, I don't blame you because you're, you're not like me. And that's fine. But, like, for you to say, well, sugar is bad and all people should avoid sugar is different than saying some people are diabetic. This is a different thing. There's a delineation there. Some people have fucking diabetes, you know, <laughs> and that's a serious, deadly condition. And they'll get their feet amputated and they'll lose their eyes and, you know, whatever. Eventually they'll die, right? Uh, if untreated. But to treat everyone on earth who has access to sugar as if it's the same thing is fucking bullshit and like you would be killing diabetics by doing that because what you're going to do is you're going to water down the message of you have a fatal condition to well hey why don't we just like have one less twizzlers ropes bag today Mm -hmm. you know what i mean (laughs) and it's a totally different thing it's just like the god versus groups it's these are totally different things and if you're coming from a place where uh you can't relate with that deadly condition of course you don't think it's a big deal to not relate with what my solution had to be, you know? I love what you're saying, man, because like when we look at page, I think it's 44, where it talks about if we, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, we haven't made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic, right? And if we look at the definition of the word distinction, it's the difference between two similar things, right? Mm -hmm. So to the outside looking in, for someone who is not educated in alcoholism, the heavy drinker and the alcoholic are similar things, right. but there are some differences that, you know, obviously the textbook tells us about. Right. Um, and uh, then I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm still thinking about the group of ducks because I'm going to start using that. Um, I think that just totally made me lose. I'm glad that you're mature enough because I immediately went to group of dicks. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> and then all I could think of was like, like an Illuminati style, like, like just a room full of dicks. <laughs> like, with ropes on and like, ball of dicks. We're all like worshiping them. <laughs> it's like how we're staying sober. Actually, can I, while we're, while we're doing dick jokes, can I just jump in? Um, I don't want anyone to think that we have a problem with barbecues or milkshakes or bowling. <laughs> Or potlucks. <laughs> Dude, when you said potluck, I was like, fucking 
Margaret's going to bring that buffalo chicken dip, though. <laughs> oh, I do love me some buffalo chicken dip. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> I, always, I always make sure my wife makes it anytime we have a gathering. <laughs> and this, this week's food corner. <laughs> I guess I, I technically, you know, I, I'd started it with the diabetes talk with the Twizzler ropes, but. Well, actually, I'm glad you circled back to that because I do want to point out that sugar is bad and that it is part of, I believe it's step 11, where we immediately uh, jump into our proper exercise routine and our proper diet, right? And, uh, you know, that is, I believe that is part of, that is how I do my 11th step. I immediately start with 15 push-ups. So. (laughs) So. I'll definitely keep you sober. Yeah. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. This week on the Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer, special guest, God. So the whole thing with Moses was basically, um, I see that no, this guy, no, that's, oh, oh, sorry, no, sorry, go ahead, you, you go ahead. Go oh, ahead. no, that's interesting, no, it's interesting. I, Con- continue, my child. As for me, as for me, someone who's been in recovery so long, someone who's been there, who's... No, I, I... So back to my, back, back to my, take it to my recovery, okay, speaking of my recovery, uh... I am on a journey. This there is never there's never a destination. The, the destination doesn't exist. And I think that the the older you get, the longer you are on that well, path, yeah, I, well, the more Yeah, I, I feel I I mean I kind of invented self-care, you know. So I figure you know why not why not kick back, put my feet up. I mean I I made the whole universe, right? Only took me six days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So basically, um, then on day seven, I I rested. You know, what I mean. Uh, uh, now. Oh no. Uh, go ahead. Now back to what I was trying to get to here, and which is basically, um, you know, I was I always thought you didn't like me. Why? Why would you think I didn't like you? That's yeah, it's strange. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I figured there was something know, we, there, something I didn't know about. No, 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 no. I, my grace falls evenly on all my children. I love, I love you all. Yeah. Now, um, how do you, how do you get a gig like that? How do you get a gig? Well, I mean, I send my kid down here, and look how he gets tricked. That's what oh. I was thinking about. No, go ahead. Here, I, I, no, you, you go ahead. See. See, I know this is so anecdotal, but I see. I always thought you didn't like me. No, I don't. I don't know where you're getting this from. That I that I don't like you. I I love all of my children equally. I I didn't know if anything had happened or not. I just I I I, I thought we had gotten along fine. I just, but still, I I thought that you didn't like me. No, why would I not like you? I don't. I mean, we we haven't even really hung out, right? Yes. I mean, I didn't just do the Bible. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And I did some of those Cormac McCarthy books as well. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that was me. Oh. No, I've always, I've always loved your work. Of course, you're one of my children. I enjoy your work as well. You know. But still, I, I thought that you didn't like me. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer, available wherever you get your podcasts. One one thing that solidly came to mind when I was thinking about this topic um, yesterday was uh, 
but I'm sure you guys have had this experience where you like, um, I've been, I've been a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation, a lot of just kind of ruminating, thinking about the stuff early in working with others where it talks about not pushing someone through the steps. Um, and it's kind of in tandem with, if you are satisfied, he's a real alcoholic. Um, and I've kind of, you know, I've heard it and I've also kind of viewed it in the past as like, I think usually when you hear that reference, people are kind of like, you know, well, don't move someone too quick. And it's like, I don't really think that's what it's talking about. I think that it's talking about if you're satisfied as a real alcoholic, like in terms of like, do I feel like this guy has had a step one experience? We've talked about it a couple of times recently, but um, I've had experiences where I'm working with somebody and we're talking about step one and I am satisfied that they're a real alcoholic and mm -hmm. like they get it, but they don't seem like it's really hitting home. Do you know what I'm saying? And then they just mm -hmm. kind of hang out and then just eventually like go away or whatever. And I was kind of thinking about that with, in terms of this topic, because step one, like a real step one, um, ostensibly, typically it, that propels you into the rest of the work. Right. But I have seen where people get, I don't know, what is it? 85% there. And then just fucking stay there. And then they're just like, you know, they're, they're like really fucking bummed out and don't do anything about it. Right. So I don't know if that's like, you know, cause we always talk about, okay, well you're stuck on five or four or six or whatever random thing you say you're stuck on. It's like, you're stuck on one, like it's a step one problem. You know, I always go always, back but at the same time, I feel like, or I guess, you know, just an extension of that thought. Like, I feel like s sitting on step one when you've really, really like started to get it after years of being in meetings, I'm thinking about people who've just been sit like languishing in meetings forever. And then they finally meet someone like Flo said, armed with the facts about themselves. And they talk about what step one really is. And instead of like, all right, let's fucking do this. Let's jump into action. They're like, oh, fuck. Like that is a fucking lonely, sad feeling sitting on step four, a completed step four, doing nothing about it. Lonely, sad feeling. But to me, something that you just said, remind me of this. Um, to me, the saddest bastards in AA are the people who get through to 10, 11 and 12 and do nothing with 10 and 11. And they are just, all they're doing is, yes, they're helping and they're giving, but there's no receiving. There's no seeking. It's all just, I'm trying to manage. Again, This to me, this goes back to the human power thing, which is how it felt related. Like I'm trying to manage my sobriety by just sponsoring the fuck out of the universe, and I'm not filling up with anything other than human experience. Yeah, I've seen that. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's sad. Oh, go ahead. You know, no, I'm, I'm, I'm no, I was just, I, I, I wasn't sure like if I was going to be able to like, put this, this thought line that I ha had, that I had around this topic into a kind of into a, like a linear thought and, and make it have it make sense. But 
I so it's kind of two parts. I get asked a lot by people who have multiple years of, you know, sobriety, not necessarily recovery, sobriety to sponsor them. And often like they have more time than I have, you know, Mm -hmm. and that is, I think a lot of times, no, it is like a lot of times the conversation starts with, yeah, I know it's a little weird that you, I technically have more time than you, but you know, whatever, you know, and like, these are usually people who, um, I see at meetings for a long time. They hear me every week and they just, you know, they, and, um, you know, what I, what I realized while working with those folks is that, um, they came to Alcoholics Anonymous, they got with a, you know, a, a, a well-meaning, mm-hmm. um, sponsor who, who was working maybe like 50 to 60% out of the book, but then mixing in like some other kind of meeting maker stuff. And then like 12, uh, 12 and 12 stuff. And, um, you know, so they don't have like a full, they didn't really fully complete a fourth and fifth. They, they, they did like make amends, but not, completely and they did um and they they don't really understand they have the 10 and 11 mix up and they kind of like you know they think 10 is actually 11 and and um and then but then they go out and they sponsor people you know and i I think they they find this this ability to maintain dry Mm -hmm. but they're not growing spiritually and, and they're feeling it in their soul you know and they um and and what it made me think of is that uh you can absolutely rely upon and this is hearkening back to what John was talking about earlier, like this, you can absolutely rely upon a group of drunks, you know, but you at least like what I've realized is, is that that group is sicker than you might realize, Sure, you know, um, because uh, if you go into a room of a hundred people and you go there weekly, um, my guess, just from my experience in Alcoholics Anonymous, what I've seen, what I've heard, the people I've sponsored, the people I've gotten close to, you know, there's probably at least five to 20 of those hundred that um, are actively using drugs and alcohol and lying about it. Not they're claiming time. Mm -hmm. They're collecting coins, you know, like they might share, they might do all they, they show on the front side, like a sober person. And I've been that person. So I know like I've collected a three year coin high as fuck. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like (laughs) um, given the, the, the 60 minute lead, you know, taking the extra suboxone to do it, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I've done it, you know, so I'm not bashing anyone. I'm speaking from my own experience here, you know, and then you have that other, maybe there's another 20 or 30 people in the room who like, um, have claimed to work all the steps, but haven't like, they're just straight up lying about it. And I don't think they're doing it because they're bad people. I just think they're doing it because we naturally, we just want to fit in with the group and everyone else says they did it. So I'm just going to say I did it. And you know, I, I did some of it. And so I feel like I did a good job. You know, it's like, um, you know, it's just a natural thing, you know, and then you have a bunch of new people and then you have like a group of people who probably really are living this life, you know, but, um, but to put your faith in something like that, you know, if like, if the group of drunks you could commit to knowing that it was like a hundred people that were like really living this path and like really seeking God, um, I would feel like, yeah, you might have a shot at that, you know, because those people are being, uh, are seeking guidance. Right. And, um, you know, I have sponsees all the time who are like, well, should I, should I quit my job? Should I break up with this person? Should I do this thing? And I'm like, I I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, right. you should talk to God about it. That's what I think you should do, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and if that was the experience you were getting, I think you'd have a good shot at it. But, um, but I don't think that's what you're getting in the, in the rooms. You know, I just don't think that's the reality of what we have today. Sure. You know, I agree. You know, I, I have the same experience as you. Um, I would say the majority 
um, probably like 99% of the women that I sponsor are women with time. Mm. Uh, like I, I can't even tell you the last time I actually worked with a, someone who um, was brand, brand new, knew nothing about the program, right? Maybe they're right. relapsed or they've become, you know, the dry drunk in the room or whatever. Mm. And, um, you know, I can, and I can see, like you said, it's like they do enough just enough for God to, to do what needs to be done to, you know, keep them sober and remove this obsession to drink. And it's just enough to keep them holding on, but they're not growing. <clears throat> they're not evolving. And they, they keep thinking like, well, I thought this was going to be, you know, the fourth dimension of existence, right? right. Um, this life beyond my wildest dreams. And, you know, while, you know, I'm sober, like, life still kind of sucks. Right. Yeah, and I'm acting so, out in these other ways and I'm treating yeah. my family like shit and I'm, yep. you know, uh, a mess yeah. to be around. Exactly. And then we go and we turn the bedevilments into questions, mm-hmm. right? It's like, are you having trouble with personal relationships? Right. Are you a prey to misery and depression? And they're like, holy shit. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> um, because there's something that's been missing in your program here, and, and we need to work it out, right? And you were talking about, you know, like, them asking for advice and stuff, and it's like, I've got this really great tool. It's called Two-Way Prayer, and mm-hmm. you're going to sit down, and you're going to talk with God about this, and I, I don't have the answers to your questions, mm-hmm. um, but the answers are within you, um, and this is how you find them, is by sitting down and taking that time to, uh, I don't know, like for me, putting down pen and paper, it's like magic. The answers yeah. just start to flow. When I'm in my head, I, I'm i insane. Like things are floating around and there's, you know, fear and ego mixed in with the intuitive thoughts. And then when I put it down on paper and then I read it out loud, either to myself or to my sponsor or one of my friends in the program, then they can reflect back to me you know, where I'm still in fear and where I'm having, um, you know, pride and ego getting in the way. Right. Um, but I never have to guess those answers. I just go put it into action and go see what happens. Right. Um, because if I'm asking someone else for my advice, like, you know, I I just like, I don't have my own answers. How am I going to find your answers? Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny what you just said <clears throat> reminded me of um, I was <laughs> me and Fred are always laughing about when you talk about step 11 in in a meeting um, and how half of the room just like glazes over and the other and, and then the other half starts talking about step 10 <laughs> 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 and there was a <clears throat> I I love I love when you when you mention writing there, cause like, um, I don't, I don't understand the repeated attempts to justify not writing after your four step. I don't understand it. It, it, <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Right. When we get to step 10. It says we continue to take personal inventory. They showed us how mm-hmm. to take inventory in four and it's all written. Like, I don't know why you would just be like, it doesn't say right. So I'm not fucking writing. You know, it's just, it makes no sense to me. Um, uh, and same thing with like the nightly review. It's like, I, I don't know, you know, maybe to me, it seems akin to the solitary self-appraisal. If I'm like doing a nightly review in my head and I never, ever in my life 
put pen to paper and say, God, where am I at today? God, what can I do better today in the morning? You know, like if I'm never getting out of just my head, just thinking about it, um, that's one of the magic things about step four is that like, I see that shit and more comes out writing than I ever would have thought, you know? Um, and that's where my relationship with God really started. You know, when I started to see, especially when I get to column four and I start seeing stuff and I'm like, I'm literally writing things I never thought in my life. Right. Right. And there's a magic to that. And like going back to, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on these people. What I'm trying to say is that there is a difference between the people who are recovered and living the daily directions and people who are not. And like when I see someone who is, you know, through the steps and quotes, and then they're really, their sobriety is, is sponsorship dependent. And that's it. It's solely just in sponsorship. Um, these are always the people who have like a big problem every month or two. These are always (laughs) the people who kind of like Fred alluded to changing sponsors every eight months. Like these are always the people who like, these are not the people who, you know, I'm seeing with a calmness whose whole deportment shouts that they're a man with an answer. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is not the vibe. The vibe is like, you know, itching your elbows. I need to get another sponsee, man. (laughs) Oh man. You know, you got any of those newcomers? You know, it's like, it's that kind of vibe and it's like, okay, cool. So now we're hooked on newcomers, right? You know? Um, but kind of getting back to the, the topic, I think that all this is about the topic, but really like when, when I'm thinking about this group of drunks thing, it all goes back to what I, you know, I was saying about for me about the book earlier. It's like, I'm not here to talk about this book because, you know, I really love the author and, you know, the prose is amazing or whatever. Like there's there's an outline for living and it's not showing up to meetings and getting wisdom from the dude with the most time and Mm. listening to stuff. And I've been sober in that way before in previous attempts at AA, I would come, I remember there's this old dude, Ben, and he would like sit on his hands in the meeting with his eyes closed and like kind of, I guess he was like meditating. I don't know. And he'd just like be meditating through the whole meeting. And then in the middle of it, he would be like, well, you know, and he would say his sponsor by name, you know, whatever, J- Jimbo, whatever it was, you know, Jimbo always said, you know, and, and then it was like this really like esoteric, you know, like deep kind of like winding story that like, and I would just be <laughs> sitting there and I would be like, yeah, I want to be like Ben and Jimbo. <laughs> you know, and, like, and it was like, it was like uh, this thing where, you know, you mentioned page 44 and 45. I wanted to, I wanted to be that. I wanted to live up to that. And I remember at that time going to a, a work meeting, a meeting at work and, and sitting there and I had my hands under my thighs like that. And I was kind of just vibing out and I, and I it, it, suddenly am interrupted by my boss saying, Hey, can you pay attention? <laughs> you, you know, we're at a meeting, right? 
And my response to that was like, oh yeah, I'm meditating. I'm like getting centered. And, and my boss was like, uh, don't meditate right now. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> like, I actually need you here. We're having a meeting. Right. Um, and it kind of, it, it all comes back to that 44 and 45. It's like, there are all these ways I would like to be and things I would like to do. And to a certain point, uh, perceptions I would like others to have of me, you know, mm-hmm. like I want to be spiritual old dude, Ben in the meeting. Right. Right. But the needed power was not there and I wasn't going to get power to feel calm, to know when it's fucking appropriate to quote meditate or not. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't going to get the power to be a good employee, to actually be present when I'm with people and to go to a meeting, uh, seeing what I can give rather than get, you know, I wasn't going to get that power just by showing up and listening to a bunch of cool sounding people. You know, mm-hmm. that power has, has presented itself in my life through the daily application of this process. And I, I love what you said, Flo, about like, I don't, I don't have a relationship when I start the steps with this power and I develop that relationship. And then when I get to these later steps, like this is what life is about. Even step 12 is about deepening that relationship with that power. It is right. all about God. So like back to you, Fred. Yeah. Uh, I'm really not trying to offend anyone or alienate anyone with the God thing, but we got one fucking thing to offer in AA and it's God. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Like I, I was uh, a friend of one of my sponsees wanted me to sponsor her for a minute. And you know, in that first little chat that working with others tells us to have with people like, you know, I made it clear, like, we will talk about God and mm-hmm. whatever that means to you. Um, but that is the solution, right? Like, I don't care what you believe that power to be right now, as long as you're willing to believe that this is a spiritual program of action. Right. And like, she couldn't get away from me fast enough, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, and the reality is, is that's fine. You know, if sure. you, if you have someone that's got another way and that will work for you, go right ahead head. You know what I mean? The book says we have no monopoly on recovery or God or any of these things. And in fact, uh, in how it works, it says, if you want what we have, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, what is it that we have? And, you know, usually people say, well, happiness and joy and peace. And, you know, some people are more on the material things. And I had a phase of, I'm like, oh, these people have their shit together. You know, they're successful and, or just they're happy or whatever. And I want that. Right. Um, but, you know, my first few years in sobriety, like in these rooms, like there was never anyone that I'm like, yeah, I want what they have. Like in general, I wanted to be as happy and free as some of these people. Um, but uh, then I heard this woman speak. I was about three years sober and I was like, I want what she has. Right. <laughs> so I asked her to sponsor me and, um, what was it that she had? She had a firm relationship with God. And her answer to me was always that God is the solution, right? And showing me how to create that relationship with this power and rely on the intuitive guidance and direction I get from that power. Hmm. And so like having that experience there's no way to water that down, right? We can use gentler words. Like the book gives us so many uh, 
beautiful ways to describe God. My favorite one is infinite intelligence, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, uh, you know, it, I remember when, and when I got with that, that sponsor, I was talking with one of my friends in the program and, um, it was a mutual friend and he was like, Oh, she goes to this meeting, right? They're a bunch of big book thumpers. They're hardcore. Like I could Mm -hmm. never get down with that. And I was like, well, dude, I was dying. And all I knew is I wanted what she had. Right. Because I, I was dying at that moment because I had had good sponsorship, but then, uh, that relationship ended and I was kind of floating around there and was not living those disciplines of 10, 11 and 12. Mm-hmm. And man, did my life turn to shit really fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, that was the missing puzzle piece that she helped me figure out is like, that's the magic. That's the money right there, 10, 11 and 12. And, right. and showing me how to practice that and doing, and doing that on a daily basis. And, you know, I'm like, well, what I needed was the hardcore way, right? Yeah. The other way was not going to work for me. And, you know, while it works for others, I mean, that's cool. Go right ahead. But, you know, I, I've, I have a hard time with knowing that there are heavy drinkers in the world who are sponsoring real alcoholics and watering down the message. And, um, you know, uh, that that is that's one of my pet peeves. But then in the same turn, I have to remember that, well, if God's going to do for me what I can't do for myself, God will do that same thing for those people, those real alcoholics who right. are in the program. God will show them how to find the people that are armed with the facts about themselves to give them the real solution if they're really looking for it and really wanting it. Sure. It's funny because um, I just thought it's not like I just thought of this, but when I so when I'm at work. And we have like a new thing, like uh, we're trying to communicate something and we have 150 people who need to get the message, you know, Um, we've we've discovered that the worst way to do it is to put 150 people in a room and then tell them the message that we want them to hear and then take as many questions as they want to ask and then leave because you put 150 people in a room, they all hear uh, maybe there's like 30 different things that get heard, you know, then you let them ask questions and that just fucking confuses everything completely, (laughs) you know? And it literally just dawned on me like, oh yeah. So like Alcoholics Anonymous as an idea is not, it is like, it's a simple idea, but there's some nuance to it. And so like, that's why it had to get past one alcoholic to another, because you really needed that, like making sure you like first we had to make sure the person who was carrying the message knew what the hell they were talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we had to make sure that when they carried that message, um, that they were sitting in front of a person and they could make sure that person understood by asking, you know, and it it reminds me of that part in the book where, um, where Fred says, you know, that even though he'd already been experienced, uh, I'm quoting myself here, even though he'd already been, um, you know, experienced in AA and had, had experienced AA, um, those guys came back after he drank the second time or, you know, whatever, when he got, when he, technically relapsed or whatever. And, and they said, um, they, it says he, they piled upon him heaps of evidence. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, even though he'd already basically said to them, yep, I'm licked, I'm done. Like I'm ready. 
give me the thing. They still were like, yeah, no, I'll sit here for two more hours while we fucking just drive this point home even more how fucked you are and what our solution is before we even move into the actual work. And, um, you know, it just makes me realize that like the meeting, and again, I, I know this, like the meetings were never meant to be a place where we're actually carrying the message, right? The meeting was meant to be a place where people who were attempting to carry the message were coming together and maybe sharing like, you know, I had this struggle this week, or I tried this, or I went to this place and I found some success or whatever it was like. And it was a place where after you've been beat up for a week of trying to like get dudes sober and being like told no and getting shit on, um, it was a place to come together and find some conviviality and some joy with people who were also walking this path and, and to be able to kind of drop all the bullshit in a place and be like, yeah, you guys are doing this too. And I find joy in that. And, and, um, and now I can like recharge kind of like what we find at our Wednesday meeting and some of our other meetings, right? It's like, it's that ability to like share with a bunch of people who are walking this path that can sometimes, you know, feel like a difficult journey, you know, and then I get back together with people like you guys and it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is why I do, you know, this is hearing from you guys helps me to, but it's just, it just clicked on me. I don't know why, but like, oh yeah, this is far too nuanced to fucking be spread to 50 people in a church basement on a Friday night, like, and that we're going to expect that they're all going to hear the same fucking thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's why the the book is successful where uh, meetings are not. Right. <laughs> I mean, to put it in simple terms as possible, because right. meetings are it's a mixed bag, you know. And you could and you could hear from you know Hank with uh, fifty years about how he's done that one day at a time you know, plug in the jug style. And then right. you could hear from Fred who who's gonna drop a bunch of F bombs, F bombs, and then and then say, Hey, God's the answer and uh, you know, if you're fucked if if you're the real real deal, you're fucked otherwise, right? And then you're gonna go, Well, I realize I am still actively detoxing, but I'm gonna go with Hank. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. If you think about what, what they actually did back in the day, right? And it talks about this on page 159. And um, I'll kind of read this kind of quickly. Uh, so at the very bottom of the page, a year, six months later, these three had succeeded with seven more. Seeing much of each other, scarce an evening passed at someone's home did not shelter a little gathering of men and women, happy in their release and constantly thinking how they might present their discovery to some newcomer, right? Like mm -hmm. Fred was talking about, how do we help the newcomer? This is what I'm trying. This isn't working. You got some help for me. Like, what mm -hmm. can we do differently? Um, not to complain about my problems and check in about my day, right? Um, in addition to these casual get-togethers, it became customary to set apart one night a week for a meeting to be attended by anyone or everyone interested in a spiritual way of life. So I think of that as like more of the open meeting, right? right? Mostly they had just closed. We're here. We're trying to help others, right? And this, it says, aside from fellowship and sociability, the prime object, prime object was to provide a time and place where new people might bring their problems. So the new person that's like, hey, I'm dying of alcoholism. Can you help me? And there's a whole bunch of recovered alcoholics like, yeah, we're going to show you the way, right? right. And they they took these people, brought them through the steps, and then they came to those meetings talking about how can I help the newcomer, right? Because now that's my solution and what I have to do, right? Um, 
And so it just, it, if we were in a situation where every person in the room was a recovered alcoholic who had been through these 12 steps, it would, it would be a different story, right? Mm-hmm. And it might be this group of drunks idea wouldn't be such a bad idea in the beginning, right? Because mm-hmm. this group of drunks is going to show me how to find this true God, right? right. Um, and what I'm really relying upon their human power is, is to show me their experience and how they got there, mm-hmm. right? Because these people aren't guessing and they're not theorizing on what the solution is. They did it. And these are the results they got. And so that's what the book is all about, right? And they're going to take us through that. But when we have, you know, judges sentencing, quote unquote, people to Alcoholics Anonymous, and they're in there sharing their experience, right? I remember um, I used to uh, go to a meeting in a treatment center um, in the town where I was living. um, And every time one of them picked up their 30-day, 60-day chip, whatever it was, well, how'd you do it? Well, so-and-so county jail. <laughs> what? Yikes. That's how they did it. They were in jail and they couldn't access alcohol for the moment or whatever. And it's just like, holy moly, like, what are we doing? It's <laughs> just like. <laughs> do, we, do we clap? One, <laughs> one lockdown at a time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And sometimes it would be two or three different jails or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh God. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, I have to know what I'm up against. Right. And that's why we spend so much time talking about step one and breaking that down in the Mm -hmm. book. And I let a girl know, like, we're going to sit down for probably two hours until you are sure that you understand what step one truly means. Mm -hmm. And until you decide whether you relate to it or not. Right. Because if you don't, then there's no reason for us to move forward, right? Um, it, it's the majority of the text of the book, right? Yeah. And so it is very important to make that distinction so that we do have people who are armed with the facts about themselves who have done the deal and can then pass that on and try to um, revitalize this program that has been so watered down. Um, and I could probably speak for a whole hour on that but um you know it's one of those things that you know if i'm not sure that i'm really really ready for this then i will go for the easier softer way because what y'all are talking about in the book sounds very intimidating you know Mm, right nobody wants to do that they even talk about that in the book none of us want to do this (laughs) uh, leveling of our pride confession of shortcomings which this program requires for a successful consummation, right? But why do we do it? Because our life is hopeless and futile. And I know that I'm going to die if I don't. Yeah. You know, what sounds fun. A bunch of dudes who basically remind me of my grandpa telling me to, (laughs) telling me to confess my sins. (laughs) I just woke up dope sick one day and I was like, Hmm, what am I craving today? Uh, um, <laughs> you know, one thing that has come to mind as we're talking here, um, it's not just group of drunks. I don't want to. I don't want to single out the group of drunks. <laughs> we're. I think all this stuff applies to the doorknobs and the fucking oak yes. trees of the world. Um, great outdoors. Somehow, I had not ever heard great outdoors, but I. 
I certainly fuck with that way more than group of drunks. Um, just cause you know, spirit yeah. of the universe, nature, that kind of stuff. Like I, I, I can vibe with that a little bit more. Um, there was, <laughs> there was a, I think you'll both remember this. I think flow you, I don't, I don't think we ever discussed it, but I believe you were there during one of these, uh, occurrences, but there was like a spate of, I'm going to be a Satanist things happening. Um, <laughs> you guys remember that? Oh this, yeah. This was like a thing. We talked about it. We yeah. talked about it on the podcast. Did we? Okay. Yeah. This was yeah. like a thing briefly. And it was like, I think everyone else involved was like, all right. Okay. <laughs> you know, but it was like, it's funny cause it came up last night, um, with a, a newer person who is in 12 kicking ass with 11 daily, you know, call me with 10 steps going out by himself to run a treatment center meeting. You know, this dude's got under two months, like just fucking killing it, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like chairing three meetings a week. You know? I think I know who this is. Yeah. Um, and love who, that guy. And who just found out about this podcast too, which yeah, it was like I was there. I was yeah. there when he found out about it. I was he was like, like wait, uh, there's a there's a podcast? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I get it. He was like, How do you not know about this? I was like, No, I get it, because I don't tell sponsees about it. It's weird. Yeah, be like, it, it's strange. So part as part of your step work, I'm gonna need you to go listen to seasons <laughs> one and two of my podcast. <laughs> like, I might as well give you Russell Brand's book. Uh, it's just like so not the thing here's, that we're doing. Here's Holly Whitaker's book and my podcast. We'll see you in six months. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, don't let the door hit you on the ass. Um, but yeah, it came up when we were talking because uh, it was like this is so it's 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 such a huge red flag to me now now i gotta i gotta kind of qualify this if the person that we've been talking about repeatedly if someone properly armed with the facts about their condition and about the program alcoholics anonymous if a person like that has approached you and they've clearly explained step two to you and what the book what the program asks of you for step two which is do i now believe or am i even willing to believe there's a power greater than myself mm -hmm. like flo mentioned right after saying whatever your definition of any of that stuff may be go ahead and think of that right don't worry about the words we use use whatever makes sense to you if at that point when you've had that explained to you, you then turn around and say, well, yeah, um, it's going to be Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, uh, you, you might, you might be too angry at religion yeah. to, to be just like, this is literally the biggest, it, it's, it's like, it's like the, the Marianas Trench opens, right? You, you, you view this deep, massive expanse in the ocean, and then you're just like, not sure I can fit in there. It's just like, the, the fucking moon could fit in there. It's like, what are you... The, the, the door could not be wider open, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do a hard left and go with Satan. You know, it's just like... <laughs> I don't... And the thing is, is like, you know, I don't... I don't think that'll take you somewhere, but like, 
at that point, it's also just like, cause I, I had someone I sponsor say that and it was like, so are you, are you willing to believe there's a power greater than you? Like, I just had, I have to like repeat <laughs> that. I'm like, are, are you? And there is just like, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. All right. Well, so <laughs> it's just like, but it's like, that doesn't, you know what I mean? It's like, you're, if you come to step two with someone and they're just like, light bulb. I think it's like, you know, it's like, oh. if you're, if you're at step two and, um, and you're broken by a uh, <laughs> by something beyond your control, and you still want to be ironic <laughs> with your higher power, it's like, like hipster really? higher power. <laughs> this is the fucking shit we're talking about. And it's always here's the thing: it's never the fucking goth who's like actually a Satanist. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's always the it's exactly what you described as a person who hates religion. Yeah. And so I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the clever guy, and I'm gonna pick Satan. And my thing is always like you are trying to make a point about how God doesn't exist, but then you're picking the higher power. A very that, religious that concept. Is, <laughs> that is basically saying, like, well, if your God exists, then by proxy, the other God does too. Yeah. Because if Satan exists, then they're, then the whole thing is true. Like, yeah. the thing you're railing against, it's you know, weird. it's like, it's so fucking bizarre. It's definitely the try hard way to go about step two cleverness. It's just like, it's, yeah. And that that's that's what's really cool about the big book is there are some just plain not clever people who have recovered. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? You don't need cleverness to recover. Nope. In fact, you you I think not. it's probably detrimental for you to try to be clever when when submitting to the process of the steps, you know? I think it shows like that we truly are insane and need that power to restore us to sanity because right. it's like how much more insane can we be? I'm I'm drinking to prove that I'm not an alcoholic. And, you know, I'm sitting here trying to come up with some, you know, clever idea for this power they're telling me I need right now, right? It's just, it's it's completely insane how, like, the, uh, the spiritual experience talks about this uh, belligerent denial, right? Yeah. And it's like, that is just the perfect example of belligerent denial like okay you're telling me god nope it's satan that's that's yeah. my higher power <laughs> so. at the same time it's like you know how how much more evidence would you need that there's a power working in my life for me like a dude who was completely incapable of not telling you how right I am about everything for me as a sponsor of someone like that to hear them say that in a meeting and then just be like, okay, just yeah. to just have like a reaction of like, I see that this person is battling this solution and I've presented them with the tools and they're not picking it up. And this is where they're at. And I'm not going to sit here and fucking fight this person to live the steps the way that I think they should. I don't think this will go anywhere for him, but I'll continue to do the work as long as you're picking up the tools. And when you go away, which you will, I, I'm going to be like, yeah, that kind of, that kind of went the way it seemed like it was going to go, but right. it didn't involve me having to then go to step 11 and be like, wow, God, uh, step 10, 11 and be like, oh shit, I have to excavate some stuff here and, and realize wow, I really tried to manage that guy's bottom and like manage him into 
a step one that was powerful enough for him to be like, okay, I just need to try this and be open. You know, I've had a spiritual experience to the point where like, uh, I'm available to just detach or I'm able to just detach and I'm able to go, I've given you the tools. You're off on some (laughs) weird fucking thing. And Hey, cool. All right. (laughs) You know, you just, uh, you would, you just like literally pulled the words right out of my head as you were talking. And it was making me think of something that Flo said right when we started, which was, you know, when, when she started and she was, you know, basically like, you know, we're not here to, to offend anyone or to say anyone's wrong or anything like that. It's like, um, and then what you were just saying, John, like, uh, prior to a spiritual experience, there was no way that I could have personally untangled, um, God and religion. Sure. Yeah. I was, I had no ability to do that. They were, they were tightly intertwined and there was no amount of talking about it that was ever going to change my mind. I'd spent years of my life arguing with people about, you know, that very thing, you know? And so, um, you know, I have complete empathy for the folks who are struggling with that right now, you know? Uh, but exactly what you just said, at, I am now a person who sits here today firmly planted in the idea that a God of my understanding entered into my life, took away a problem, replaced it with something that I cannot explain consistently puts miracles in my life that I, that I do not deserve. Um, and, uh, I can, and, and I have zero religious affiliation and yet I also have zero hatred to people who are religiously affiliated. In fact, I have a tremendous amount of love and respect for those people. Um, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I can even read religious books, pull out the things that, that speak to me and see the things that don't as just something that I pass by, uh, politely and doesn't, it doesn't offend me in any way. Um, but again, that, I have a a tremendous amount of empathy for those folks, because if you've not gone through this experience, then you can't even, you can't even understand that. Just like what you were just describing of like being able to sit there as your sponsee is saying that and having no connect, no attachment to it. Mm -hmm. Those are things that I did not, or you did not create those. That was an, that was an inner reworking done on me by something outside of me that actually lives in me. And it's all very confusing, but it (laughs) happened and I know it happened and I know it can happen for anyone else who just does the process, right? Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where you start on step two. If you make it to 12, the, the result will be um, that now, and I'm not saying that on day one of step 12, that I was able to, to, to sit through uh, a Bible study with perfect, um, love, you know what I mean? This is a process and I've gotten more, um, uh, compassionate and more loving, um, and more understanding and tolerant as time has gone by, you know, and I've failed and made mistakes and said stupid shit and, um, and done all that and then had to go back and fix it, you know, but it's all led me to this place today where I feel very content, um, in the spiritual practice that I have in the spiritual practice that others have and, uh, and, and completely content in my understanding of where religion and spirituality mix and where they don't. Um, and, uh, but that was all given to me. So, you know, back to what, what flow started with, it's like, you know, it's, if it's, if that's not your experience yet, it doesn't mean it can't be, sure. you know, because what, what I feel like is this book is telling us, we guarantee you, if you do exactly what we did, as we laid it out in this book, you're guaranteed to have a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. 
and that will revolutionize the way you look at life and the way you show up in the world. And that the consciousness of that is your spiritual experience. And like there is in my experience, no way I can thoroughly and honestly do what the book tells me to do and not have that experience. Sure. Like it's, it's uh, prove me wrong. Please somebody prove me wrong. I'd love to to hear about it. (laughs) I'll do it. I'll show you. (laughs) (laughs) If that's the way to trick them into actually doing what it says to prove me wrong, I mean, let's do it. (laughs) Me and Satan will show you. (laughs) Ooh, I love it. (laughs) So (laughs) nineties. What's that? I'm gonna go watch that movie. What's that movie with all those chicks in the '90s that were like witches and had the coven? Oh, the craft. That one? The craft. I'm gonna go watch yeah. the craft. I was thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got this. Uh, I met this girl at the Jim Rose sideshow at Lollapalooza, the side stage. <laughs> she told me about the this book about Satan. It's yeah. pretty cool, man. So I think I'm gonna try Satan. Anyway. Okay. Cool. Uh, Okay, Flo. List your top three intoxicants. (laughs) (laughs) Intoxicants. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. So, top three intoxicants. Um, My chair just broke. (laughs) Did it really? Oh, yeah. Look at you. What are you doing down there? (laughs) I'm just a little guy. Uh, (laughs) so um, number one for me was always alcohol that was the front and center piece right Um, so number two would be cocaine number three would be ecstasy love it party drug (laughs) speaking of a 90s baby right here am I right (laughs) You, something tells me you've been to the Jim Rose sideshow at the side stage. <laughs> <Lollapalooza>. <laughs> oh, I, uh, God. Were, were, so were you one of those people who would like take ecstasy and dance like a dickhead for like six hours? Oh God. Yes. You 100%. were. Oh, that's awesome. That's so cool. With like was, the yeah. glow sticks in your hand and yeah, well it's funny. I never I, could figure out the glow sticks. I had a friend that was good with the glow sticks. <laughs> just vapo rubbing your under your nose right. all night. I would always just like end up on the east side in some like. Does anyone live in this house? Like that kind of like you know, borderline crack house, and like there's still there was like still sofas and electricity and like. I'm like sitting on the sofa and just all I want to do is just get high on ecstasy. But then like I'm surrounded by assholes with glow sticks also sitting on the sofa, just like doing the glow stick thing in in everybody's face while some other person we kind of know does like a, an impromptu DJ set. And it's just like this, this whole, this whole thing is (laughs) (laughs) dancing like a dickhead or not. This this drug makes me very lame. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do that or I would like sit in my friend's hammock and stare at the stare at the clouds. That's that's the kind of stuff I did in ecstasy. So I make fun of people for dancing uh, because I was never cool enough to do it, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'd either be to... 
It's supposed to take away your inhibition to dance more, but all it did is make me more self-conscious, which would make me want to do more ecstasy, which would end up <laughs> causing me to have taken so much ecstasy that I would be just in the corner crying because I've because <laughs> I'm like took four pills and snorted two and just like literally just like gonna overdose on ecstasy because I just can't seem to thread the needle. Yeah. <laughs> No, man, like I'd either be downtown at a club dancing my ass off or, you know, I had a friend that we would go to his house and he had this nice entertainment system, be blaring Tiesto and shit. And I just like sometimes I'd be in the living room by myself dancing and I don't know what the hell everybody else is doing, <laughs> but I'm just like Tiesto. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds very ecstasy. No idea. Yeah. Oh my god! I'll have to send you some Tiesto. Come on, guys. <laughs> I'm gonna put it on my Spotify right now. Yes. Cr- yeah, crush up a couple blue Supermans and a, a drop of red Mazda and put on some <laughs> Tiesto. <laughs> oh my god! Remember how they were all like those? They all look like Flintstones vitamins. Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> my buddies would all be like. No, man, this one's going to be good because my buddy told me it's got more of the amphetamines, a little less of the heroin in it. So it's really going to, you know, it's really going to pump us up. You know, it's like it was always about that blend. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's got the Mitsubishi logo. So it's going to (laughs) bring us going fast. (laughs) So funny. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Group of drunks, you know. (laughs) Love it. Good stuff, guys. I had fun. This is definitely started my day off right. Yeah. And, and we just ended it with pure solution right there. So, <laughs> the, well, the good thing is anyone who sat through the whole hour 15, uh, they just get a little cherry on top. Nobody, who, okay, nobody yeah. who's like anger listening is getting past minute 15, right? <laughs> They're going to miss the best part. Yeah. God, you just made me think that there's people. I don't, what's the, I'm not going to call them out, but there's that podcast that you'll send me occasionally that I can't, I listen to like six minutes and I want to throw my phone out <laughs> the, the window and yeah. yeah, the atheist one. And, um, I just realized that there are people who listen to our podcast the way I listen to their podcast. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't really thought about, it. I usually, I say it as a goof, but like, it's probably true. I mean, um, there's that ha- one guy for sure. <laughs> yeah. It would have to be. Um, and there's, the the well, the other thing that comes to mind is that don't any of those people listening right now i need you to know okay well i would like you to know 100% we are naming and theming this season and its episodes just to pull you in <laughs> <laughs> we want you to hear this stuff and not cuz we want to rub your nose or anything but because we know that you will be outraged by the subjects, and so you'll listen, and maybe a little bit of that shell will get cracked. Maybe you'll hear some a actual bit. recovery, you know? So That's yeah. nice. We hope you enjoyed it as well, or at least the ecstasy reminiscing right. at the end. <laughs> like, <who knows? laughs> Flo, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Flo. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Good luck on your rambling and your... Uh, mm-hmm. Packing in 45, ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Next time, I'd like to hear that you got it done in 37 minutes. Yeah. Oh, shit, the pressure is on. Yeah, let's up those stats. Let's up those yeah. stats. 
<laughs> we've got a KPI do. set. Now we've got to get better. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dudes. Y'all have a great weekend. Later, y'all. Talk to y'all later. later. was created by recovered alcoholics. All involved in the creation of this podcast are active members of Alcoholics Anonymous who wish to carry the message of our own recovery to those who still suffer. We do not claim to represent Alcoholics Anonymous. All comments are from our own experiences as alcoholics who have recovered by following the directions for the 12 steps found in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. Thanks for listening.